Welcome to the Interop Now podcast, where it's all about health data interoperability and the technology solutions that will transform your business. We bring you the information you need to find the right solutions to exceed federal requirements, improve patient satisfaction, and increase your bottom line. We will talk to leading industry experts about using APIs to unleash, repurpose, and scale healthcare data. And now your host, interoperability maven, Sandy Vance. This is Sandy Vance, and today we're welcoming Don Woodlock from InterSystems. Don has made a career out of building customer-focused healthcare software that matters for payers, healthcare systems, public health, and life sciences. He started his career at IDX, then worked for GE Healthcare, and he is currently head of global healthcare solutions at InterSystems, and apparently also a rock star drummer. Welcome, Don. Ah. Glad to have you. <laughs> Not quite a rock star yet, but I, I tend to think that way, yes. Hi, Sandy. Nice to be here. Hi. I'm great to be here with you, Don. So I'm going to start, I guess, for the people that don't really know InterSystems. Can you just give me the elevator pitch? What is it that you guys do? Yeah, sure. InterSystems, uh, we describe ourselves as a creative data technology company. We've been around for 40 years. We've been kind of a very popular data platform in healthcare. So a lot of software vendors, Epic most notably, but a thousand other Software vendors have built their applications on top of InterSystems technology. And additionally, we have a few healthcare solutions businesses. We have a EMR that we sell outside the U.S. called TrackCare in 27 other countries. And we sell a product line called HealthShare, which is basically an interoperability product line that helps with exchanging data or bringing data together, making it scale, useful, all that, all that good stuff. So I know you guys have been around in this space for a really long time. What makes InterSystems unique? Well, a couple of things. One, I think it's a customer focus, you know, and a lot of companies say they're customer focused, but we really are. I mean, we're privately held, you know, we do well, we're growing. So we don't don't really have to worry about shareholders or impressing the market or anybody else. We can just worry about impressing customers. So We spend all of our time really focused on customer success. And we've been able to do that without any other distractions for our entire history. And I would also say that, you know, we're just kind of performance and scalability fanatics. I mean, we've kind of dedicated our whole lives to how to store and scale healthcare data, especially. And so we've just gotten very good at it. And I guess if you pick something like drumming, something like that, and you say, I'm going to be great at this, you know, you end up being really great at it. And, and that's what InterSystems has done its whole career. I have met and worked with various folks from InterSystems and in technical demonstrations and through my work with the standards and that sort of thing. And I have to say, it's a very unique set of people. I have every single person I've ever met from InterSystems, loves what they do, is passionate about being the best at it, and just really goes the extra mile. So I echo what you just said, and I think it's the people that make InterSystems so cool and have just really enjoyed all of my experiences with you guys. So you have been, InterSystems has been pretty dedicated to helping the standards move forward, to making things work. I know back when I was in IHE, there were huge supporters of IHE. And now as FIRE is sort of setting the course for the industry, InterSystems is very supportive. 
What would you say is working well and where is the real progress being made with FIRE relative to accelerating the path to healthcare value? First of all, we're great believers in FIRE. Like like you said, we're invested in the standard. We're really cheering it on, helping develop it, implementing it in our products, implementing it at customers. So we're we're sort of on the on the fire bandwagon. And uh, and I, I think it's going great so far. You know, some people at times are critical because it hasn't really replaced HL7 messaging. But what I think is interesting about Fire is it's opened up new use cases that weren't possible before. And we've really seen those get the traction. And uh, two, I would think of off the top of my head are, one is kind of making data available for patients and members. So these various regulations that say, hey, you have to make your data available for your members. So when they move to a new payer or move to a new health system, they can get it. And, um, you know, that really never would have happened with HL7. But now, you know, people need to stand up a fire access gateway or repository or something like that. And then all of us members and patients can hit that up, grab our medical record and, and own it and take it where we want to Take it. So that's an amazing use case, actually, that us consumers can have our information in electronic form. And of course, most consumers don't read Fire, but they can get apps on their phone or on their, you know, desktop that do read it and and help them make sense of their healthcare information. So I think that's a really cool new use case that I see taking off and because of Fire, basically. And the other interesting use case uh, we're seeing a lot at our customers is just enabling application building. Basically, you know, part of the challenge of, let's say, building a kiosk for patients or a new specialty display for your physicians is really integrating with the data. And so much of the weight of any project is how to get the data out of this thing and how do I read it and blah, blah, blah. And Fire makes that all very easy, basically. You know, the EMRs have to make their data available with these Fire resource APIs. And basically, as an application developer, you don't have to know anything about that. You can build your app in whatever stack you like. You can ask for the record for patients that log, that's logged in and, and there it comes and you can display it and do whatever you want with that information. So it's really opened up a lot of kind of easier software development in our customers. You know, as a small analogy in our case, we do internships with folks in summers in their, in their college. We had a, a group build a whole new nursing documentation system on top of our EMR, and they didn't really have to know anything about our EMR uh, that much. They just had to know about FIRE and, and be able to issue some FIRE resource requests and then kind of built the rest in the technologies that they knew. So hopefully it's going to open up a lot of innovation in our industry, a lot of startups, a lot of customers being able to innovate in an easier fashion than in the old days where you really kind of were stuck in the mud of, of how to how to get in data in and out of your EMR. Absolutely. I think that in this time where we're seeing these APIs go live, we're seeing just an insane amount of technology startups that realize they now have access to the data and it's easier than ever to be able to sort of leverage that for various use cases. What would you say, Don, to the startups about Wi-Fi or like, a lot of organizations are using proprietary APIs because APIs have a lot of these same benefits of you know making the transactions faster and easier. But there are several platform organizations that have sort of proprietary setups for how they're using 
API resources. So any message to those folks about why fire? I think it just creates an ecosystem, you know, to be successful, especially as a startup, you need more than yourself, I guess. You have to fit into a customer's ecosystem and uh, or they're not really going to want to pick you or or think of you as a long-term partner to them. But if you bank on fire and you kind of build that into your mindset and the way you integrate with the rest of the ecosystem and that that kind of thing, I think you're just going to have more staying power. You're going to be more selectable to a customer organization. They're going to see you as part of their long-term platform model. So I understand the proprietariness for getting the industry from its past to its future, let's say. But as a startup, there's really no reason for that. You really want to standardize on that. It's it's kind of the you know the plumbing standards of today. You, you got to go with that to have a long run run business. Hundred percent. I I'm looking at behind Dawn is some water in Boston, and I think of the phrase a, a rising tide raises all ships. And really, I think that's the value of standards is being able to, as an ecosystem, as a larger you know industry, make it better for all patients across. Yeah, the I think you know data. Um, uh, illiquidity. I don't know if that's a word, but but you know, I don't think that's a competitive differentiator. I don't think it's good for anybody, really. No. You know, sometimes being in the interoperability business, somebody will say, "Well, don't you like it that interoperability is hard?" And we say, "Not at all. We want to do better things with our time than struggle with data liquidity challenges." And so that's why we're so invested in fire. That's why, just like you say, it rises all. Boats, you know, we can do, you know, with a higher, higher tie here, we can do more interesting, more interesting things. You know, we could focus on making healthcare better, not just getting data unclogged from the system. You all have been committed to interoperability for a really long time, and it's wonderful to see an organization so dedicated to the standards and working together in the industry. I feel like FIRE is sort of giving us this opportunity to finally achieve the interoperability that many of us have worked in, in this space since, you know, for our entire careers <laughs> towards trying to make interoperability better. So FIRE is sort of on the horizon, isn't the solution for everything, but it certainly makes it easier. There are still some functional gaps, I'm sure. And I think that as an industry, we need to be aware of what these risks are of making everything faster, more open. What do you think are those sort of risks that we have as we move into this new paradigm of APIs? Well, I do, you know, from a risk point of view, I do think that data needs to be thought of as a separate asset from applications and uh, governed in the same way, have security and privacy practices in the same way, that sort of thing. I mean, in the, I'm going to say old days, but it's only a few years ago, let's say, you know, you thought of data as sort of beholden to the application. And so you would lean on your application vendor, let's say, to make sure they had good security and privacy practices and those, those sorts of things and make sure that the data was kind of locked, locked up in that in that system. Now that it's more liquid, you can get it out, ship it to a data warehouse, data marts, research database, you know, these kinds of things, then that the data is sort of separate and distinct from the application. And I think then you need to think through as an organization how governance works on the data, how security and privacy work on the data, who really needs access to this 
data, how, who needs the de-identified data versus the many people that can do their work with de-identified data, that kind of thing. And so, so I just think we need to kind of create practices, safe practices, policies, you know, legal positions, things like that around data itself, separate from the applications now that it's, you know, a little bit more freed from the applications themselves. I don't know if that makes sense, but that, that's kind of the way I think about it. It does. And I, I think that that is a real area of need right now for provider organizations who are so used to owning their owning their data, right? We know it belongs to the patients. I'm using air quotes, like getting used to the fact that this data is so liquid. How are you guys helping your customers today? I know you do a ton of government type business. So security, I'm sure is is a really at the forefront of all of your practices. How are you helping these provider organizations go through this transformation? At some level, it's features and functions of our application. I mean, We've been a data platform, with the exception of our TrackCare EMR, let's say. The other product lines are really a data platform that a customer can build, build on. So they are serving this market separate from the application, in a sense, where the data is the center piece, not necessarily the application itself. And so plenty of feature and function around patient consent, Consent rules, you know, encryption, security, governance, data documentation, you know, all those kind of features and functions that allow a customer to really manage the data as a separate asset. And it's a part of our standard implementation process as well to set up governance, to set up policies, to set up stakeholder groups, those kinds of things. So the customer does kind of orient themselves to data being key asset as well. And other features and functions like the identification algorithms, things like that to do that. And the other nice thing about Fire versus HL7 is HL7 is a bit of a copy and paste style interoperability. So you have these thousand patients or whatever, or, or million members or whatever, and you need them over here. And so HL7 sort of takes a copy and sends everything over there. And that's risky if you don't have to do that. And what's nice about Fire is it's more like data as needed. You know, I just need these patients' medications or these patients' problems or something like that. So I'm going to ask, you know, the REST service, the Fire uh, resource service just for that. And then I'm going to use it. I'm going to show it to a user and then I'm not going to store it or that kind of Straight thing. Straight from so the more, source. Yeah, it's more data as needed. It's more asking each other's questions versus just getting a copy of everybody's records for your own file cabinet. So it's kind of a nicer standard in that way. There's still use cases for having a a copy of the data, but use cases where you just want systems to ask each other questions and interoperate with each other and have more transient uses of the data. Fire is perfect for that. I think about all of the issues that I ever had working in a healthcare system with copies of data or copies of databases, whole databases, even, and you would come up against maybe some issue with that data. And once it's corrupt, like you might as well throw it away. Like, you know, just, all right, let's go back to the source and get a new copy of that data. And so I think it's really, really going to be powerful as we move forward. But I also think there's great value in working with an organization like InterSystems who has the experience that you have on your teams, having worked through many of these governance issues, because 
it is a whole new paradigm and we do need to pay attention. And the regulation, quite frankly, isn't going to be able to keep up and get in front of to tell organizations what to do. And I know you working at a global level across uh, many different countries, you know, what do you think about the different regulatory approaches to standards and interoperability? Are there any that really stand out to you? I, you know, I know that here in the U.S. we're doing a great deal with ONC and CMS, but you know, frankly, I think the Netherlands was slightly ahead of us with their MedMe program. Like, what are you seeing, and and what do you like? Well, you know, regulatory-wise, um, there are a lot of similar approaches. The structure of the health systems are different, so that helps and hurts in some way, but. Regulation-wise, we see a lot of similarity, and that's good. Uh, a lot of countries are forcing, or whatever, whatever the right verb is, you know, making sure that patients have access to their data. So that's a really good, good thing. We have regulations in the U.S. and a lot of other Germany and a lot of other countries uh, regarding that. I think interoperability is an excellent place for regulations. You know, regulations really are balanced between telling the industry what to do and sort of backing off and letting innovation happen. But system to system kind of interoperability, you know, the, you know, standards for the railroad tracks kind of thing, you know, the, these, these are where regulations really help. And so really supporting fire around the world, supporting patient access to data around the world. We're seeing that in a lot of, a lot of places. I mean, you mentioned the Netherlands. There are a lot of countries that are ahead of the U.S., in terms of their ability to do, you know, to do coordinated care, basically, including interoperability across the health system. But I think that's the nature of, you know, a stronger public health system, which you see in many countries. You know, we, we have really great projects in the UAE and regions of Italy and South Africa and Scotland, sections of the UK, Australia, where kind of states you know, regions sort of get together a strong, you know, a regional health authority, strong minister of health is sort of mandating a level of interoperability across the region. And it really works. You know, some of our projects are the entire country's medical records, you know, are interoperable across across the Netherlands, across the UAE on our, on our uh, technology. So that's pretty cool when that uh, happens. You know, the U.S. has its pluses and minuses, but one characteristic is we are more fractured health uh, system, basically. So regulations are even more important in the U.S. And I've been very happy with the ONC around this interoperability topic. I really see fire taking off. I see these regulations being targeted, you know, toward, you know, consumer access to data, toward interoperability standards. And I think that's appropriate. I think that's where regulation should be targeted. That's where it works. And I just see all of us in the in the industry, EMR vendors, I think are doing a great job with Epic Care Everywhere and Commonwealth and eHealth Exchange and you know some of our big HIE customers are really serving serving a great need. So we we've come a long way, I I think as a community, even in the US on this uh, topic. 100%. I agree. I, I think it's really exciting to watch the innovation taking place now that the data is being freed up. And because of the support that we get from these regulatory bodies, of course, and the, the startups and the technology companies that are able to build these platforms, take advantage of the automated intelligence 
and really push forward this notion of a digital front door, right? So it, yeah. it's all about making things available to consumer. I mean, we, we as consumers have had this access in other industries and other areas of our lives for years. It really does make a whole lot of sense. What do you think is next? Like what has to happen next? We've got all these startups popping up that have access to the data that can help sort of customize the way we as consumers see our data, depending on what our own care experience journey looks like. You know, what do you think is next? I think the technology side of the industry is doing pretty well. You know, like you say, the startups, platforms, interoperability, standards, things like uh, things like that. I think we're moving along. You know, there are other, I mean, the other challenges I think really are just the priority, the interoperability priority of organizations, I would say. It's just not the highest priority. You're a big health system in town. The health system, the other health system in town is kind of your competitor. Most health systems or payers wouldn't say, well, you know, we're against interoperability, but they might say, you know, it's number 17 on our priorities. We have all these other things we have to get, have to get done first. So somehow kind of bubbling it up the priority stack. So it happens in a community is an important is an important thing. And I do, I do think that's an area where regulations can help consumer power, you know, and demand can, can help. A lot of things will push that along. But I do think the prioritization problem, you know, needs to be, uh, needs to be solved as well. The other thing is just the quality of data is becoming a concern as now we can see the data. You know, one, one expression we sometimes use is fire. Uh, now allows you to see how bad your data really is. And, you know, as a, let's say a human reader, like a doctor reading a chart, you know, you can kind of deal with medications phrased in different ways or allergies phrased in different, I mean, it's not ideal, but, you know, the human brain is pretty good. But you bring the data together for uh, research or machine learning or that sort of thing, you kind of have really messy data in healthcare to deal with. And I think these more aggregate use cases around public health or research or machine learning or population health or whatever, you don't really have a human looking at each record. You're sort of bringing it together. And so investing in normalizing that data, bringing it together, integrating it, standardizing it, applying terminology, those those kinds of things are more important now as we look for that next phase of use cases. And so I think in terms of what's next, you know, the clean data, normalized data, investing in the health of your data is an important precursor to sort of getting these next use cases done, I would say. Uh, It's infrastructure. It's trying to get people to understand that you're going to have the value later if you lay the groundwork today. And I think that's hard for anybody in a situation with competing resources and you're working out your budget and, you know, do we invest in trying to clean up the data that may not be exposed yet or do we just keep moving forward and, and deal with it later? So, I agree completely. Yeah, it's, it's quite tricky. I mean, even EMR, as you could say, was an investment in our future. You know, the best is yet to come. It was kind of a cost. I mean, there's definitely some benefits to EMRs. And we, we actually saw a lot of benefits to our quick reaction to COVID last few years. But, uh, but nevertheless, that was kind of a foundational investment to digitize healthcare for the future, for all the things that come, come next. And kind of the uh, healthy data, clean data, 
type of investment as well is also an investment in the future. So I do agree that it can be hard to argue for. You have to look for those quick wins. You have to look for the, you know, the value nuggets along the journey and not just argue it as a as an investment. Absolutely. All right, Don, well, is there anything else you want to share with our audience of CIOs and the folks listening to the podcast? Uh, no, I'm good. I appreciate everybody sticking to the end of this podcast. It's, uh, I think data and healthcare, I mean, this is a great opportunity, right? I mean, now, now we've gone from paper, we've automated, we're sort of 90% adoption of EMRs from just 10% 10 years ago. And when I think of interoperability, I kind of have that same dream. You know, to the extent we're at 10% today or whatever you might call the data liquidity of today, it'd be great over the next 10 years to get to that 90% where all of us consumers have all the data that we own, where healthcare organizations, the clinicians, the researchers, everybody kind of has the data that they need in healthy form. And it's protected. You know, it's usable, but also also protected. I think that would be a really nice uh, goal for the next 10 years. Absolutely. Don Woodlock from InterSystems. Keep rising the tide on standards and interoperability, Don. We so appreciate the work you do. Have a great day and thank you so much for your time. All right. Thanks, Andy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.